Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. As we enter the new year, we are starting to experience recent developments in the January transfer window. We've already seen notable names go across the pond here in the U.S. to Europe and also domestic transfers throughout different leagues in the European League. So today I'm joined by Manuel Fate and Kartik Krishnayard here to talk about January transfer window and why we might see certain moves and might see some teams remain a little more steadfast in their operations. So, uh, Manuel, I'm going to start with you. I'm going to ask you a really quick question. Obviously, you work for a transfer market, so you'll have a lot of information on why certain teams get involved. So, as we enter the January transfer window, we've already seen a number of moves already take place. Why are some clubs more involved than others? Is Could it be to build a squad and allow certain moves to happen? And You know, I think generally speaking, the January transfer window is a little more calm, especially compared to the summer transfer window. So why is that the case, and why might we see less moves in January compared to the certain uh, couple of months we have in the summer? Yeah, I think in general, um, the January transfer window in a normal year is is an emergency window, isn't it? It's when, when clubs can respond to the mistakes made the previous summer. Um, and then for some clubs, of course, it is also an opportunity to maybe sign someone with an eye towards the next season, right? Where they can bring in a, a younger player, maybe who they have already earmarked to, to sign the following the next summer, but um, the opportunity to bring him in um, is now. And so you see that quite often. But in general, the, the January transfer window is um, like kind of like your emergency backup when you go in and, you know, try to reload certain files and try to re, re- try to make up for the mistakes that you've made in your roster build um, or to respond to injuries or respond to um, you have the Africa cup this winter, right. To respond to certain things like that, but it's not the busiest window in the normal of times. And then of course this year with COVID-19 um, and the fact that many of the European leagues are now facing a prospect of having to start the second half of the season without spectators means that, there isn't going to be as many activities as there is in the usual window at this time of the year. 
Manuel, you already touched on it, uh, clubs watching certain players, and I think a lot of soccer fans, when they think of transfers, their first thought goes to Kylian Mbappe or Erling Haaland, but yeah. I think most people think that they're not going to be moved in this window, and there's a lot of reasons that that could be, whether it be because of contracts mm-hmm. or anything of the sort. So do you see those two players moving, and if you do, why is that? And if you don't, why wouldn't they move in January, even though they are speculated to move in the summer? And you see already that it's super quiet um, when it comes to those two names, right? Um, I think A, fans have gotten smarter and B, the media has gotten smarter as well to maybe stick away from this, those kind of rumors because they know it's just unlikely. Um, I think we have to point out that Kylian Mbappe is free to negotiate with other teams now, right? Because it's January after January 1st, he, he is um, able to, to talk to other teams. And... Um, so I think maybe we'll get something in that direction um, that we find out his future, but I don't think he's going to go anywhere uh, mid-season, right? Um, I think that is something that we won't see. And then, of course, um, there has been some other muted speculations about Erling Haaland, and I, I just don't see. But right now, Borussia Dortmund are 100% in control, right? There is, of course, an exit clause that varies between 60 and 90 million euros, uh, depending on where he's going. Um, for next summer, um, which means they won't be in control then, but uh, you will not see them sell Erling Haaland at this moment in time. So, yeah, I think it's going to be... Uh, big names don't move in January, period. You know, and I think that is that is something that is just a given, that big names don't go in this time of the year unless there is some very extraordinary circumstances. Kartik, uh, Manuel talks about big names moving, and I know it's not necessarily a big club for a lot of the younger audience, but Newcastle United obviously went through a uh, a big takeover in the in the middle of the season, pretty much, and this is their first the ownership's new opportunity to bring in players that they want. So it's really emblematic of Manchester City in 2009 when they had their takeover, and we all know how successful Manchester City's been since that takeover. So Newcastle right now, right as we speak, they're in a relegation battle at the bottom of the Premier League table. But as we know, they have so much money at their disposal. So how can there be a certain similarity that Newcastle could look to from Manchester City? And I think uh, I also wanted to ask you about just how do they differentiate between buying for survival in this transfer window versus buying for battling for the Premier League and Champions League qualification in years down the road. Yeah, I think that there's a fine line between those two things. And if, I agree with Manuel. I, I, I do not think we see high-profile transfers generally in January. And actually, uh, as time has gone on, coaches and uh, technical directors around Europe have gotten more and more hesitant about January transfers because we've seen uh, even some of the higher-profile January transfers through the years, uh, they don't, they don't uh, blend into their team very well. Uh, in January, and they generally need a summer uh, to, to, to really work out with, with those clubs. Now, Holland, when he moved from Red Bull Salzburg to uh, Dortmund a few seasons ago, that was an exception. Uh, but I think that same window, of, uh, Manuel can correct me if I'm wrong, I think that was the same window Hertha Berlin spent all sorts of money uh, in January, and, and most of those guys didn't work out. And uh, uh, it, it was also kind of disrupted by COVID, right? That was the COVID year. So maybe it would have, it would have, uh, been a little different, but they survived, right? I guess they were fighting relegation at the time. So back to Newcastle. Yeah. So as someone who's followed Manchester City for several decades, uh, 2009 January was a very odd window because the club was uh, 
the club had actually qualified for Europe uh, the season before the takeover. Uh, but uh, the ins and outs, bringing Robinho in in, January, in, in uh, August, which was the only transfer that was made once the, uh, the ownership changed or right at the deadline, really disrupted the squad. So they were sitting 18th on Boxing Day and went into the January window and decided to sign guys that they thought would allow them to climb the table while also competing in Europe because they were still alive in the UEFA Cup. Eventually, Hamburg knocked them out. But went out and got Nigel de Jong, ironically, from Hamburg, uh, Wayne Bridge, Craig Bellamy, and Shea Gibbon. Now, what ended up happening, and this is something that I think has to be instructed for Newcastle, is the manager at the time was Mark Hughes. Roberto Mancini came in less than a year later and decided he didn't like Bridge. He didn't like Bellamy. Uh, he didn't like Gibbon. He really liked Joe Hart, right? And that was the dissension uh, Joe Hart was because of, uh, of, of, of Mancini. And uh, uh, De Jong, I guess he did like. But so for Newcastle now, you're in a position where you're trying to survive. You have a lot of money. Uh, Eddie Howe has a certain style of play. This is actually, I think, also complicated by the fact that you have a manager that likes to play with the ball on the ground, uh, likes a good attacking setup, and Newcastle have have effectively put together a team the last few seasons on a, on a small budget under Mike Ashley just designed to survive. So I think they're really conflicted. Do you bring in guys to fit Howe's system that might climb – help you climb the table in future seasons or do you bring in survival specialists now that will keep you in the premier league but may be disposable as you your ambitions dictate assuming you stay up so i'm not sure what they're going to do i know they have to sign guys particularly with some of the injuries they've had recently but uh really tough position to be in and, and as i said that window worked out for city in the sense that they stayed in the league they got to the uefa cup quarterfinals but then uh they were replacing those players within 18 months. Hey, yeah, maybe really to quick. add to oh, that. Go ahead, Mamo, I'm sorry. Yeah, I wouldn't just add to that because it's really interesting about Newcastle United is that they're still in a very formative stage of putting together the decision, the, the people that are making the decisions in, in the front office. And um, one of the things that was recently pointed out to me in, in a conversation with, with someone who is a high-ranking um, sporting figure in the game is that um, there's still quite a lot of disarray at Newcastle in terms of who's making the decisions, uh, what sort of strategy they have. And, you know, they're in, in by, no, by no means anywhere close to actually really knowing what kind of strategy they want. And so it's a very tough spot. Um, all of a sudden, you know, you're a trillion euro club, but you don't really know how to, how to, how to allocate those resources because you don't have the people on the board that can actually make those decisions. And, and I mean, they signed uh, Trippier, right? Um, they brought back from Atletico Madrid. But it's it's going to be very, very hard um, for them because you, you can't really put a house on something that doesn't have a foundation. And right now, they don't even have a foundation yet. Kartik, you talk about uh, transfer possibly throwing off the chemistry within a squad. And in relation to Newcastle, maybe there's not all that chemistry to actually actually be there but I think there's a real conversation that could be had about bringing in players you already mentioned Hertha Berlin and how you know bringing in all these great players and didn't really pan out for them so what are the inherent risks of uh, bringing in people or bringing in players during January that might throw off what we see are in terms of productivity on the pitch 
Yeah, I think there's a, there's an inherent risk, and Manuel is absolutely right. Newcastle does not have a settled situation with directors of football, scouts. Uh, all of that is still in flux. And in fact, some of the the people I talked to in the UK have told me they're shocked it's taking Newcastle so long after the takeover to actually have a plan for that. So uh, he's absolutely right in that. That lends to more random buying. Also, when you, when you have that kind of disjointed setup. And the inherent risk is you bring in guys that disrupt the dressing room, that don't mesh with their teammates. That those guys that are on the on the team and have played, uh, you know, in the Bundesliga, it's very it's very clear. It's right, seventeen matches before the winter break, seventeen after Premier League will be something like eighteen, nineteen matches they would have played before the window opens. Together, it gets completely disrupted, and there's sometimes intrigue in the dressing room. There's sometimes a lack of settling. Oftentimes, these are clubs that have uh, that are running through managers, which would fit the Hertha Berlin description from a few seasons ago, and uh, it, it is just fraught with risk. Now, if you bring in one or two guys, that's different. But if you buy four or five guys in January, I've I've not seen it really uh, end well for a lot of teams that have done that. So I think there is risk, but in the specific case of Newcastle, maybe they don't have any choice at this point, and they're going to have to bring in four or five new bodies, which uh, in itself it really could disrupt a dressing room and disrupt a, a, a club. And uh, Manuel, I don't want to get too much into players, but I think it's hard to talk about transfer windows without actually talking about players. So <clears throat> are there any, you said there's not going to be too many big names on the move, but relatively speaking, what big names do you think we could see jump from one club to another in this month? Well, we think we have seen the big names go. Um, Ferran Torres is obviously the big one, right? And from City to to Barcelona, and for a fee that I still don't quite um, able to figure out how Barcelona is actually able to pay it. Um, I think that Ricardo Pepe um, was a transfer that not many expected. I think we all knew he was going to go, um, just not to where he went, I think that was the big surprise for anyone, including lots of people in the business that I talked to directly and um, spoke to me about the transfer. Um, yeah, I think there isn't, I think the one big one that a lot of people um, sort of have on the radar, and I think we all are kind of expecting it to happen as well, is uh, Thiago Almada from um, from Argentina, from Phyllis Sarsfield going to Atlanta United. and. But well, it's a pretty big, big fee, uh, twenty-five million, around twenty-five million dollars, if you include all bonuses, right? And that's that's that shows you everything that you need to know about this window. Uh, is that um, we're talking about MLS clubs being the teams that are making the big splashes here? Because in Europe it's so quiet, right? Because for MLS this is the big window, whereas in Europe it's the the emergency window, so to say. And um, so I don't know. I don't think. I mean, I'm sitting there. Um, Myself and we we have of course you know at Transfermarkt we have offices all over the world um, with the big one being in Germany and we go sort of go through the topics every day and um, the anticipation is very much that we again we won't see very big names um, which is obviously something that is kind of like we I think we are going to be maybe be surprised as well maybe there is going to be one where you're like oh my god we did not see that coming. Um, maybe Newcastle will pull something off, something ridiculous, right? Or Augsburg right now, because they have an American investor as well. Maybe they will pull something else ridiculous off that we didn't see coming. But yeah, my anticipation is that other than MLS transfers, it's going to be very quiet. 
And uh, Kartik, I'm going to build off of what Manuel said. It's uh, been a busy couple of days already for MLS, and I already see, uh, as Manuel mentioned, Ricardo Pepe, but also uh, Daryl DK, James Sands, they're all on the move. And it's it's been busy for MLS, and we've seen all these players going from uh, America and the and MLS to Europe. So what does this window mean for Major League Soccer, not just January as a whole, but this one specifically, January 2022? What does it mean for Major League Soccer and the development as a league, as a real player on the world stage? And I also should mention Junior Flemings moving from Birmingham Legion and USL to Toulouse, who are chasing promotion from Liga 2. So that that's, uh, I think, actually a very big move. Uh, for both for Toulouse and USL showing that they can sell players. Flemings is a guy who's been in USL for a number of years and is a full international for Jamaica, showing that they can move a guy uh, to a team, uh, actually a big club. Toulouse is a club I remember when they were qualifying for Europe fairly regularly uh, that has uh, fallen on harder times of late in France. But for MLS specifically, um, the window is not being aligned, right? The, the U.S. season being, and the people who, who follow me know that I talk about the, the, the calendar misalignment a lot, and I, I, I'm not a fan of the U.S. calendar. But that is actually what kind of triggers the fact that this is a primary window for American clubs and not a primary window, as Manuel has, has, has properly put it, an emergency window, really, for most European clubs in terms of, of, of spending. And... Um, I think that the, the DK move makes sense because obviously uh, he was with Ishmael last season on loan at Barnsley and, and he's now the manager at West Brom uh, and some uh, Alex Moloch and some of the, the players who are at Barnsley are now also at West Brom. So he should, he should move in seamlessly there. Uh, Ricardo Pepe, I like to move to Augsburg. Augsburg has some good attacking talent. I mean, defensively, they've been at times uh, lacking this season. I think they will stay up. Uh, if you uh, if you ask me, I think the, the worst they're going to finish this season is 16th, which would put them in in the playoff, uh, and I think they would stay up. I think they probably will stay outside of that top uh, that bottom three. So I like that move. Uh, but yeah, it says a lot about the kind of talent in MLS, the, the the way European scouts are viewing Major League Soccer now and USL, as I mentioned in the case of the, uh, the Fleming's transfer to Toulouse, that there's more talent here, there are more bargains to be had. And uh, for better or for worse, January being the primary window for American clubs uh, drives some of uh, so, some of these big moves that we've seen. Brendan Aronson a year ago uh, when RB Salzburg uh, brought him in was another one. And we've seen American guys often move in January or, or guys based in the United States. Right. Uh, Alfonso Davies moved to Bayern during the summer. But I think that they uh, they allowed him to stay at that. I think they loaned him back and he moved in January to Bayern. As it turned he had out, to stay because he was underage, right? Oh, right, right. He was 17 yeah. at the time. I forgot that. Yeah. That's correct. Yeah. So he had to turn 18. Obviously, they have child labor laws in, in the EU. Mm. Um, one transfer that I've been getting wind might happen, and maybe it's just speculation, but Antonio Conte likes his wing backs. So talk of Traore moving from Wolves to Spurs has intensified in the last 24 hours. I don't know how... Uh, how credible that is. We know Daniel Levy tends to be tight with the uh, with, with the checkbook, particularly in January. Uh, but he did go out and buy some guys for uh, for Jose Mourinho two two uh, Januarys ago. Sold Christian Eriksen in that window and brought in one or two guys at least in that window. So maybe uh, maybe he will spend for Conte and bring in Traore, who would fit uh, in theory would fit a Conte system very well as a right wing back. And uh, Manuel, I'll wrap up with this, just a very quick little thing. And you talk about the big, or the Major League Soccer making all the big moves, relatively speaking. And I think a move that surprised a lot of people was Lorenzo Insigne coming over to Toronto. Yeah. And uh, 
What does that move mean? He's still a great talent for Napoli, and obviously he's still going to be there for the rest of the season but until his contract expires. But uh, what does that move mean for Major League Soccer to get a talent like Insigne over to uh, Major League Soccer? And Belotti as well, right? Mm-hmm. Um, as it looks like. He's, he's another one coming over. Um I think that's just the tip of the iceberg, to be honest with you. I think there's a lot of there's a lot of focus on the outgoing transfers at the moment, right? Because um, European clubs are urgently trying to fill in the, the missing roster spots. So you're seeing at the beginning of January more players moving out. I mean, um, Laria is, the, is another one who's now leaving Toronto for for Nottingham, right? Um, so you saw Tiki early on, you saw Pepe early on, because like, these European teams need to bring these players in quickly. And I think um, so. what you're seeing is almost like an outflow of talent and that talent will have to be replaced, but it's not going to happen right away because training camp opens in two weeks, right, in MLS. And so um, that will be around the time. I mean, to the last two days, and actually we're actually quite busy. I think I, I put in four transfers alone today to MLS teams, right? Um, and there will be more coming. So Insigne in is a big one. Belotti is another one. And I think there's going to be a lot more coming in the, right. in the next well, uh, four, five, six weeks. Right? Yep. So, yeah, um, it's going to be exciting. Yep. Well, uh, Manuel, I also want to thank you and Kartik you as well for uh, coming on to talk about the January transfer window. And to all you watchers out there, make sure to head over to World Soccer Talk and also to Transfer Market to keep up with all the transfer updates as they roll in. So thank you for watching. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.